1: As the Orange hold off the defending national champions, they beat Clemson. The Bills make me wanna McCoy in the backfield, takes the handoff, runs up the middle, breaks a tackle.
0: He's inside the ten, cuts to the left, into the end zone.
1: Buffalo wins. Back to full. Red Sox
0: fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Somebody in Vegas told them they were going to win by
1: 20. They look at the positive side of things once
0: in a while instead of the negative all the time. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. 27.7, 100.1 ESPN Radio, Utah, Rome. What's up, Mohawk Valley? Great to have you on board today. You can listen on the ESPN app, a great way to stay in touch no matter where you go and what you do. The ESPN app lets us go with you, except the bathroom. That's kind of gross. 437-7644 is the phone number to get in touch. Brentax Media, Brentax Media on Twitter. Where the show never stops. You know, it's almost summertime, and Enchanted Forest is where the fun never stops. Not that the fun never stops on the uh, the Twitter, but where the show never stops is Brentax Media. You can also use the On the Block text line to get in touch with the program, fire off some hot takes. That's hot. Get your face in your phone. You might as well text us off a sports take or two anyway, right? Two eight eight zero six four four is the On the Block text line. We have but one guest on this program today, and that is... Uh, One Rick Beardsley, four-time All-American, one hell of an American, head coach, CBA. Lacrosse, meh, go Ludden. Lot to do. Lot to do on that front. With Syracuse lacrosse, with the NCAA tournament coming, and will they be a part of that? And Rick uh, is always an entertaining uh, character on this program, and he's the only guest on this show that requests his own theme music when he comes on. And I, I happen to know... What that theme music is, and that theme music is, let's just say, a very interesting choice today. So we will talk to Rick at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. Listen, if anything, just to find out what Rick wanted for his introductory theme music for today. It's interesting. So, we will get into that. We've got hot takes to come. We've got Kentucky Derby preview. It is uh, May the 4th Be With You Day, so uh, May the 4th Be With You. Today, I will give you my definitive top five Star Wars movies ranking today. Number one. Fire up the voice guy. There are enough of these movies out there that we can really pare it down here and make some hard choices. From the definitive expert, you will get the top five Star Wars movies. Later in the program, LeBron James is pretty darn good at basketball. I don't think I've ever seen an athlete own another team like LeBron James owns the Toronto Raptors. I'm certainly going to forget some others in this conversation that you will remind me of, but it's pretty darn close. Some fun comments from Dino Babers on Zaire Franklin and his NFL future, and so much more. Uh, Long live the Sky Chiefs. It's also something we'll discuss today. If you heard our discussion on that yesterday, it's taken on a whole new level, and I just love how the Washington Nationals have embraced the name of a team that has not been in existence since 2006. But Why let that stop you? Nostalgia is big these days. I do want to talk some Syracuse lacrosse right off the top in a moment here, but breaking news out there, ladies and gentlemen, the Mets have designated Matt Harvey for assignment after he refused to go to the minors. Mets general manager Sandy Alderson has just announced this news. Lots of reports coming in. My Twitter feed is just overwhelmed right now with this. Several different baseball reporters, Mets reporters saying that Sandy Alderson said that the New York Mets asked Matt Harvey today to go to the minors. Harvey refused, so the Mets are designating Matt Harvey for assignment tomorrow. And this is something I wanted to discuss on the show today in one capacity anyway. And now you add this to the mix, because this is a stunning fall from grace. This is a stunning fall from, you know, the dark night and Matt Harvey when Matt Harvey was on. And Matt Harvey was... You know, and injuries are a factor here and other things crept in here. But Matt Harvey is like a hurricane. He comes in, he dominates, he gets the Dark Knight nickname. He becomes one of the most popular athletes in New York City, which is hard to do for a New York Mets franchise who, you know, put aside some recent success, has mostly been a model of mediocrity, right? He not only rises to fame because of how good he was, how dominant of a pitcher he was. And when you are a dominant baseball player in New York City, you are on as high a level of sports celebrity as you can get, right? There are noted exceptions to that rule. We can rank them. That'd be a good top five list right there. What is the highest rate of sports celebrity you can have in like a certain city, like a baseball player in New York, a great hockey player in Toronto, if you are a great basketball player in a city like Chicago, like Michael Jordan was, or, you know, think about when you're an NBA star, particularly for the LA Lakers in LA, if you are on a, you know, Grant Hill-like level at Duke. So file that away. We'll do that uh, for a different topic for a different day. But when Matt Harvey was at his peak with the New York Mets, it, it was hard to rank anybody above him in that city. And that's really hard. How can I put this the right way? Given the level of celebrity that Derek Jeter reached in that town, and I think that's just a whole different level. It's a whole different discussion. Harvey never came close to that. But Matt Harvey carved out his own niche there. So as you saw yesterday, Matt Harvey was awful. Got rocked, gave up five runs. The Mets lost 11 nothing to the Braves, not just because of Matt Harvey, but Matt Harvey has become kind of the example. Of, look, the Mets started the season 11-1 and won and have fallen Big time since then, and he has been the central figure in this. There are those. I was reading a column today. I still have it open here that I wanted to cite even before we got this news that he's been designated for assignment. So there was a really good column in the New York Daily News today. By the way, the back page, the sports page of the New York Daily News today is the Penguin. And it's Matt Harvey Here's the the headline in the New York Daily News. Pissed Harvey goes from dark night to the pen, Gwynn. Get it? To the pen? You got to love the New York Daily News, right? I mean, no, no, that's a good one. That's a good one. I like that one. Don't give me the loser horn on that one. That was was a good one. Oh, come on, coach. No, that's funny. That's a funny one. Uh, Matt Harvey doesn't take news well, as Mickey Calloway says former Met ace is headed to the bullpen. In hopes of returning to the rotation (laughs) soon. Fantastic. So, here's uh, that column from Bill Harper. And now that the Mets have designated him for assignment, this has come to fruition. But it was kind of startling to read given the level that he had reached. Not only as a baseball player, but a celebrity in that city. So, the column goes this way. And again, it's John Harper who wrote this in the Daily News. Quote, let's be honest, the only reason Matt Harvey is still a New York Met is that Jeff Wilpon can't bear the thought of releasing the former star pitcher and then seeing him come back to life across town as a Yankee. What else could it be at this point? goes on to say, I can't imagine Sandy Alderson cares about such a possibility. That's for sure. Indeed, the GM couldn't have made his Harvey fatigue any clearer That he did a couple days ago, choosing not only to address a gossip column item, which was a rarity in and of itself, but essentially saying he wasn't upset his pitcher reportedly partied in Los Angeles during the Mets series in San Diego, simply because he expects such behavior. And that's it. Matt Harvey has gained as much of a reputation for off-the-field antics for being a party boy, for being a playboy, than he is for being a dominant starting pitcher. Now, if you are producing and you are winning and you are putting up numbers, and again, Derek Jeter is not a fair comparison, but you're the best player at your position in the sport for a long time, you can do those sorts of things and give away baskets to young ladies who leave in the morning and you're still Derek Jeter, right? So, now that he's been designated for assignment and the Matt Harvey era is coming to an, a screeching abrupt halt with the Mets, he finishes his Mets career 34-37, and 37 with a 3.66 ERA over the last six years. So we'll continue to follow this story just breaking as, you know, within the last 10 minutes here. Matt Harvey designated for assignment. He refused said minor league assignment, so stay tuned. On the Syracuse lacrosse front, we had Brian Higgins on this program yesterday, as you know, the play-by-play voice of the Syracuse lacrosse team as they get ready for Colgate tomorrow. Here's what Higo said, by the way about this Colgate team if you have not seen them play and are not familiar with
1: them? I'll say this. They're good enough to be worrisome this weekend. This is not a bad team at 7-7. Seven and seven. Yeah, they didn't do great in the Patriot League, but the Patriot League has some good teams. You look at Navy and Army and Bucknell at Loyola, who who stormed through that league uh, this year. So their losses even in that league are to decent lacrosse teams. Uh, last year, in the year of the one-goal game, uh, Syracuse beat them technically by two when Evan Malloy threw in a full field goalie pass at the buzzer to, to push it to a two-goal margin down at Hamilton. So this is a team that usually seems to play Syracuse close. They have a, a deep offense. They're, they're top 15 in the country in scoring. They got two midfield lines that both score a lot of goals. And in Colinor they have a face-off guy that's at 60% right now. And that's something that's kind of been up and down this year for the Orange, and face-offs have not been great. For the last uh, couple of weeks, so it's one where Coach Murphy for Colgate's he wants to control the pace of this game. And if Colgate's winning face-offs, they may slow the tempo a little bit and limit Orange possessions. And then you got to worry if the Orange can get it to about fifty percent on face-offs. I think you feel pretty good at it, but. This Colgate team, they are good enough to make you sweat. I I don't think it's going to be an easy walkover by by any means on Saturday. That's Brian
0: Higgins uh, right here on the block. Yesterday, you'll hear his call of Syracuse and Colgate tomorrow. And look, at the risk of old takes exposing this take, I'm not sure how much they get into uh, lacrosse takes on local sports talk radio, but at the risk of this coming back in my face, I think this lacrosse team is going to make a statement tomorrow. I think their playoff has already begun. They are not playing to get in the tournament. They consider themselves in the tournament now. This is a playoff game for them, I think, and that is a great point that Higgins made. Colgate will want to control the game, put it at their pace. You've got a 60% faceoff guy. That's what controls games these days. But Colgate is not going to come in here and control this game. I think this is a Syracuse team that has heard some buzz in the community frankly, on this radio program and other places for people that are calling for change, pointing at them and saying certain things. Now, they know they can't host a lacrosse game at the Carrier Dome on graduation day, as has been something you could write in your calendar in recent years. They're going to have to play on the road more than likely when it comes to this tournament. But I think they are motivated to win for their coach. I think they are going to control the faceoffs. Now, the one thing that has to come through, and I'm taking a leap of faith that it will, cause I think this team will score. I think, you know, Tucker Dordovic and Steven Rifus and the players that need to step up will do this. I think they are a pissed-off, determined lacrosse team that will take care of business where they need to. The one question mark that I have is in goal. And, you know, look, numbers are not everything. And as Brian Higgins also told us yesterday, for three or four quarters against Virginia, Dom Madonna... Wasn't having the best game. Syracuse lacrosse goaltender, but then came around when needed to. And it was a one-goal game. Now, Virginia had like a three- or four-goal lead at many points late in that game. And Syracuse closed the gap here. But, look, I'll give you the numbers to give you perspective on this. Don Madonna's goals against average this season stands at 11.27. That is 49th in Division One. His save percentage of 455 45%, stands well outside the top fifty. As Lindsey Kramer writes here, Madonna has run warm and very, very cold. He posted save percentages of 684 and 692 in consecutive wins over Notre Dame and Hobart, but slumped against Cornell, North Carolina, Navy, and Virginia. And he owns it. He recognizes it. There's some good quotes here in Lindsey Kramer's story about this. So I'm going to take a leap of faith that this is going to be one of those warm days and not one of those very, very cold days. I think Syracuse will take care of business, and they will essentially and officially clinch an NCAA tournament berth, but I think they feel like and they will play like they're already in the tournament. Now, I will say this. We have debated all week long about where's the line, what's the standard. The game has grown. There's more talent. You know the story. So while it's not national championship every year, what is the standard? And I think the standard is this is still a program by all means – by all measures, with everything going on in the game, needs to expect to go to the Final Four every year. This is a team that is entering tomorrow's game at 7-6. and This is a team that is the youngest that John Desco has had in 20 years, which is notable, but what it is no longer is an excuse. This is the time of year when you are no longer the youngest team in 20 years, or freshmen become sophomores, and every cliche that I want to apply here. This is when you've got to prove your worth and step up and take ownership of it. It's this time of the year when players make their mark. And I think they're going to do that tomorrow. And I think they're going to at least get this team in the tournament and see where they go from there. Now to go back to back years. Now this, if they do not make the final four this year, that's five years without a final four. I don't care how much more parody there is in the game, how much more talent there is in the game. I don't care what you put in front of me. That is unacceptable by Syracuse lacrosse standards. So, I think I have to label it a disappointing season if they don't get there. And I don't think that's just my sports talk radio standard. That's theirs. Now, this is a different team than last year's team that didn't get in because that team was number one in the country most of the year, won a ton of one-goal games, proved they, they were clutch, and should have beat Towson. And I'm not taking anything away from Towson in the way that they beat Syracuse last year, but that's a different disappointing season than this would be. It's disappointing this year because of a kind of macro standard. Last year, that team just should have been there. This team, I don't look at it and say, boy, that's a Final Four team. But if they don't get there, that's the standard that they have set. And you have to apply the talent on this team in the current state of affairs as opposed to saying, well, you know, look at all these plaques on the wall. That's why we expect a Final Four. I think tomorrow, I think against Colgate, despite everything that Higgins said and everything we know about Colgate, this team will win, and I think it'll be a convincing win. I do. I mean, they're not going to be Colgate by seven or eight goals because Colgate's a good enough team and wins enough face-offs and goes at enough of the pace to keep this game close. But I think when we walk away from this game tomorrow, we'll say Syracuse made a statement. They got in the tournament, and that's all you can ask for. And I know this conversation just sounds so familiar that's what we said about the basketball team, right? Just get there. Well, the basketball team proved that if you just get there, you can make an impact. And in lacrosse, it's two wins. Two wins, and you're in the final four. Is this team capable of that? Well, we'll see how the bracket breaks and all that fun stuff. But right now, I think the answer to that is no. Last year, I was talking as if, you know, and you never can assume things in sports. That's where you get into trouble. But... I thought I was making plans to go to the Final Four I, that because that team was that good. So if they don't get there this year, it's a disappointment, but in a different way. But I think that's still the standard. I, I feel comfortable with that. I feel comfortable saying, yes, I know the game has grown and everything that we've discussed. But if you don't make the Final Four, you mark it down as a disappointing season in Syracuse, New York. So we'll see how this team handles it, that first step. The playoffs start tomorrow. The NCAA tournament starts tomorrow. If they handle it that way and do the things I said and a couple other things that we've said through the week, they'll be fine. And On that note, we'll take a break. So we'll follow this Matt Harvey news. He has been designated for assignment. What a fall from the Dark Knight standards that he was at like 10 minutes ago, it seems like. Hot takes. Rick Beardsley later in the show. We'll go over a whole bunch of different things. But I am loving the revival of the Syracuse Sky Chiefs because they never really went away. The Nationals are having a lot of fun with this, and I I hope this becomes a thing. We'll discuss it next. You're on the block, ESPN Radio.
1: This is On the
0: Block with Brent Axe. Welcome back. You're on the block, ESPN Radio. Just a reminder that if you miss any of our radio programs, well, how dare you? Who do you think you are? Or there's the other option you can subscribe to our podcast iTunes, Google Play, subscribe, ESPN Syracuse, and we will send you uh, condensed podcast versions of all of our programs. This show, the Daniel Baldwin Show, Orange Nation, coming at you in your uh, smart device. Make it smarter by subscribing to the ESPN Syracuse podcast. All right, do it, baby. And just a reminder that we are going to start our sale on Monday. Monday, Monday, Monday. Yankees Mets Sunday Night Baseball. Sunday, June the 10th is the exact date of that. Just $115. Get your tickets to the game. We will bus you to and from City Field, courtesy of Frank's Tours. You get Cam's Pizza on the way to the game. Little road trip. Yankees, Mets, Sunday night baseball. Go to ESPNSyracuse.com to get your tickets starting Monday. Your chance to be there for a Subway Series Sunday night game of the week. If you say A-Rod, hey, tell them we said hi. Just $115, and it goes on sale Monday on ESPNSyracuse.com. With that fancy open, let's do some hot takes.
1: We've got a hot one for you. Oh, you're hot. Well, thank you, so are you. And I'm not afraid to cry. So hot. So hot. And hot. Yes!
0: Man, it's hot. How hot is it? It's so hot, I poured McDonald's coffee in my lap to cool off. (laughs) It's time for Hot Takes on the Block. So we're just kind of circling back to this, uh, in case you haven't heard. Big, big baseball news out there, especially for you Met fans. Uh, The New York Mets will designate right-hander Matt Harvey for assignment, almost certainly ending a memorable but uh, short career in in Queens. Uh, The club requested that Harvey agree to a minor league assignment. He declined, leading to the designated for assignment decision. Now, just as a reminder, when a player's contract is designated for assignment, often abbreviated DFA, that player is immediately removed from his club's 40-man roster and 25-man roster if he was on that as well. Within seven days of the transaction, the player must either be traded, released, or placed on outright waivers. General Manager Sandy Alderson appeared somewhat emotional in discussing the end of Harvey's Mets career, according to MLB.com, calling it, quote, the end of an era, saying, and I quote, he was appreciated for what he brought to the New York Mets. My guess is that there are people out there who are willing to take a shot on Matt Harvey. Mets manager Mickey Calloway, who, remember, was brought in because he is a pitching guru, said, and I quote, we feel like we failed Matt Harvey. Before Friday night series opener against the Rockies at City Field. So Matt Harvey's done in New York. And I agree with what Sandy Alderson said there. Someone will take a shot at him, but again, what are you taking a shot on? A fifth starter, a bullpen guy? I mean, Matt Harvey is cooked. You watch him pitch yesterday and it could be mental. It could be new he was done in New York, with this team in particular sometimes, new settings. Hit the reset button a little bit, and you find your stuff. But Matt Harvey just He can't, you know, pitch right now. I don't care what uniform he's in. So I'll eat my words if he goes somewhere else. It'd be really fun to see him go to the Yankees, frankly, and becomes somebody that can contribute to a team here. But he just looks like a mess. 2013 Rookie of the Year, star of New York, the Dark Knight, known just as much for kind of his bachelor life as much as his pitching in New York, and now he's done. End of an era, as Sandy Alderson put it in a, good way to put it as well so last night in the national basketball association i tune in last night as many of you did and i see philadelphia with a 22 point lead they're cruising in Boston, and i say all right i'll watch this game but i don't feel like i have to sit here and watch every minute of it so i got up and i did a couple other things i took the dog for a little walk summit's doing great by the way thanks for asking and I come back, and all of a sudden, it's halftime. <laughs> it, what happened to your 22-point lead? The most startling thing that comes out of that game is that Ben Simmons had, and this is not a typo, I, when I saw this going around last night, I thought people were just mocking this, but this was actual literal stat. He had one point. One. One point in an NBA playoff game. Here's uh, Ben Simmons discussing
1: this. Lately what i did to myself uh i think mentally i was thinking too much overthinking the plays and wasn't just wasn't just out there flowing and playing the way i play uh which is free and i think you know obviously they have a game plan i know what that game plan is I got to play my
0: game. Here's ESPN's Tim Legler on Simmons, as good as he is, just doesn't have what you really need this time of the year, and that is experience. Part of the reason I think is because they're still a pretty young team with their decision makers, and that's really what it comes down to. And I think there are times, as great as Ben Simmons has been at 6'10", playing the point, there are times when you go, man, it would be nice if they had a true point guard that has been a point his whole life to manage certain situations, and I think that contributes to that. It's Tim Legler of ESPN. Look. What I see is Brad Stevens is letting Joel Embiid basically do whatever he wants. And they are keying in on Ben Simmons. They are making life hell on Ben Simmons. And you're seeing it. And look, he just doesn't know right now. He's as talented a player as you can see. The Sixers are so excited because there is a core there that you know is going to be good. Trust the process and all that. Paid off. But they don't have that grit, that experience, the smarts, the things that you just have to kind of tap into at this time of the year. Not that the Celtics are that much more experienced, but the difference is Brad Stevens is just a master at work. He is a Jedi master. How he coaches, the game plans he's putting into place, the way he shuts down the opposing team's best guy And Philadelphia has got a lot of options there. But he said, Ben Simmons is not going to beat me. Now the Celtics have a 2-0 lead. They're great at home. They took care of business there, and the Celtics are 36-0 when they start an NBA playoff series, two games to none. So that's hot. Will it be 37-0? I think the Sixers could strike back at home. I like the Sixers team. And the thing with Philly this year was I thought, despite the inexperience, there was a window. Because LeBron, and we're going to get to him in a moment, but LeBron and Cleveland, okay, maybe that team can't make the finals. The Wizards, come on. Let's get serious. Toronto, as we're about about to get into, can't beat Cleveland. And you're like, well, Boston's good, and I like Brad Stevens, but how do they get to the finals without Kyrie Irving? And, I mean, Gordon Hayward hasn't been there all year, but that's not a team built to go to the finals, but now it appears they're a team that could make the finals, but LeBron James might have something to say about that, and all LeBron James did last night was score 43 points and dish out 14 assists. In two games... He has I believe Seth you can r- check my numbers on this. He has 69 points. He has I believe 26 assists but in these two games against Toronto, he's three turnovers. Three turnovers. He had a triple double in game 1 and that was considered like a weak game because it was only like 26-11 and 10. He drops 43 and 14 last night. He has three turnovers in those two games. Now there's got to be players here. This could kind of spawn its own like top 5 list, right? Number 5. No, not right now, voice guy, but but thanks for chiming in. We are going to use you later though, so stand by. Players that own teams. Cuz I don't think I have seen in recent memory a player that owns another team like LeBron James is in the collective heads of not just a team, but an entire city. Like he is with Toronto. You feel it in the crowd. You feel the tension. Drake's getting upset, right? But in all seriousness, name me a player in recent memory. And I could be off here. I didn't, I'll didn't. i be honest with you. I didn't do extensive research on this. So you could prove me wrong quickly here. But none are popping to mind. Toronto cannot beat LeBron James. He owns that city. He is in their head. He is renting space in the heads of that team, that city that organization and everybody involved. And I heard Brian Windhorst of ESPN. I'm going to play a clip from here momentarily, but this is a different thought from him. That Toronto has kind of this inferiority complex. They feel like the league kind of disses them. And the thing with Toronto is they don't register in the ratings because they're a Canadian city. So the NBA gives them early start times. And this didn't hit me until I heard Brian Windhorst say it. And I was applauding this last night because grandpa was happy he didn't have to stay up too late to watch these games. But how often do you see LeBron James play a game at six o'clock at night? LeBron is always in prime time, always, but because it's Toronto and that Sixers Celtics series was good. And you know, I mean, television decisions are made for a number of reasons, but anytime you can get LeBron in prime time, you do it six o'clock at night. Why it's in Toronto. Rating doesn't even register. There's a lot of people watching that game to watch LeBron do his thing, but it's like a wash for the NBA. So the the Raptors organization has this inferiority complex as it is about the league and how they're treated, and, but you just don't win. You can't get by this guy. And now Toronto's in an 0-2 hole. They couldn't win at home. And LeBron is just, man, can he keep this up all the way to the finals? I, I am not going to doubt that guy. But he is single-handedly crushing the soul of an entire franchise, let alone an entire city. That's hot. I don't think I've seen anything like it, but someone will remind me of something I'm missing. And, and please do, because I want to compare that to how LeBron owns Toronto. It is, it is incredible to watch. We brought this up a little bit on the show yesterday. Uh, David Fisdale, take that for data, has been named the new head coach of your... New York Knicks a four-year deal of course he coached the Memphis Grizzlies to the Western Conference playoffs and his one full season as coach and was the primary target for the Knicks from the start of this coaching process and when we went through the names there was a whole lot of retreads there just a whole lot of names you've heard before that have coached before maybe a couple up and coming assistants Fisdale was a guy that made sense to me for New York because Fisdale brings a presence he brings a culture I think he was booted out of Memphis a little too early, but what it represents and what he will not run into in New York unless he can't get along with poor Porzingis is how much the inmates run the asylum. He was booted out of Memphis basically because, you know, of a player situation and they they picked the the contract and the presence of a player over their head coach. And Memphis had an awful start and you know someone had to go to the guillotine. So they put him on it. But that's a guy I felt like deserved a second chance. With the Knicks, what they need... I mean, the Knicks need a lot of things here that I could go over for the rest of the show, but what they really need is a presence. Because when they hired Jeff Hornacek a couple years ago, like, Jeff Hornacek? Like, he's just a guy. And the list of names they went through, it's like, okay, they've coached before, you know, David Blatt and Mark Jackson, and I'd like to see Juwan Howard get a shot as a head coach, but do you want to take a shot on him? I mean, after the whole Phil Jackson debacle, I mean, half the problem with the Knicks is... You need someone who coaches that team that brings a presence. Like, this is New York. We are the Knicks. Look at this year. Knicks, Bulls, Lakers, Clippers. Not in the postseason. The major market teams, out. Finsdale to me, is like a a combination of a great coach who thinks in the modern way. Take that for data. He needs some help from his front office to be given a team that he can coach. But, you know, even though Jeff Van Gundy you know, looks like your local accountant, that guy brought a presence and a swagger to the sideline. I don't think Jeff Hornacek knows the definition of the word swagger. If you looked it up in the dictionary and you put it up in front of him. Kids, a dictionary is a book where people used to look up words to define what they are. They didn't just Google the definition of words. It was an actual book where people, forget it, it's not just a website. It was a thing. People of a certain age know what I'm talking about. Seth, do you know what a dictionary is? Are you aware of? It's like a thesaurus, right? Thanks for chiming in, Seth. Seth Goldberg, ladies and gentlemen. So I think that's a good hire by the Knicks, but because it's New York, I also uh, anticipate a story about a year and a half from now that David Fisdale has been fired as the new head coach of the New York Knickerbockers. Speaking of New York, big baseball news there. Seth will update you on that. Coming up, Rick Beardsley's coming up. We'll talk some lax. We've got a lot more to get into. Kentucky Derby's happening this weekend. Now that You should rely on me for keen... Kentucky Derby Insight, but we'll look at that. Some interesting comments Dino Babers made about Zaire Franklin today. I think you'll enjoy that and so much more. Hang in there.
1: Thank you. Bye-bye.